Hi, my name is Theo, and you are listening to Between Two Trains. We bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area on the 1st and 15th of every month. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas and Eric Most. And now, Between Two Trains. Welcome to another episode of Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly podcast where we bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. Uh, today, once again, we have Eric Most, like exhaust. That's right. <laughs> on the show. Eric, welcome again. Uh, Chase Bank, anything new going on at Chase Bank? I understand y'all got like a new little concept uh, geared more towards millennials, in and out, no tellers. Tell us, what, what's that about? It's a drive to digital. Um, you know, we're expanding across the Southeast, building a lot of branches, 450 nationally, 25 here in Georgia. Um, so along with that is kind of a cosmetic change uh, to our branch and some of the models. Is that because millennials are sort of driving these changes? We've seen in a lot of other businesses, you know, the businesses are changing how they do stuff because... You know, we have this huge demographic of millennials, just like the baby boomers did in the in the 60s and 70s. They changed the way we acted. So it's a combination of that and also that today in a banking environment, you know, your first branch location is really the computer sitting right in front of you. You know, most of the transactions that, that you can do, you can do in front of your computer. And, you know, only a few require you to go to a branch. So the analysis, you know, from a top-down perspective is, well, let's just take a few branches and, and gear those towards those types of transactions. Is this the, the start of the truly cashless society? Are we going to see cash go away? Oh, they've been saying that for years. Just like with, with automatic cars, you know, there will still be people driving their own cars and won't, won't adopt. Wait, you're people, telling me I'm not going to have the autonomous vehicle drive me wherever I want to go? Well, you may have it, but not everybody will. Okay. My son wants it. He thinks he's never going to have to learn how to drive because he's going to have a, a Google autonomous car. It'll be, it'll be tough for cash to go away. It'll be tough for some people to give up their grip on the steering wheel, too. Well, we could talk about cashless societies and <laughs> autonomous vehicles forever and ever, but I want to bring on our guest, Jason Buxton from Hand and Stone Massage and Facial Spa, which is in the brand new Whole Foods Complex on Peachtree Boulevard, a great complex. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell us about Hand in Stone. Uh, first off, this is not your seedy massage place. <laughs> this is an upscale, legitimate massage uh, organization. Yeah, tell us about that. Absolutely legitimate. Um, it was founded in 2005 um, by... Uh, someone, a physical therapist, um, who I think saw one of the other competitors, you know, there are several massage, envy, massage heights, you know, spa vita, there are a few, basically saw one of these places and says, we could do it better. Um, and so he started Hand in Stone, um, and it's grown now to over 400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, it's a franchise. It's a, I was going to say, it's, it's a, a franchise. franchise model. Yep, it's a franchise. So I have the two locations, the, the one location here in Chambly, which we call Chambly Brookhaven, and then the new location in Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. And, and that... Alpharetta just opened? No. Nope. Uh, well, let's say 65 days from when we got the permit, which was on Monday. So let's say 63 days. Okay. Yeah. So you got a couple of months in, mm-hmm. and the Shambly location has been open for over a year now. Right. It opened in 2017. Uh, I'm the second owner. Um, so I bought the business in May of 2018. Okay. So what 
caused you to say, hey, I want to be in the massage business? This was not your original no. career. No, uh, I spent uh, almost 20 years with General Motors um, in IT. Um, did several stents overseas, uh, Thailand and China, um, and then moved to Georgia here for personal reasons. I had some family members that needed care, and they were here, so I came here. Um, but like you know, happens to most people, there was a restructuring, um, and I was faced with the choice of a, a job I didn't want or a buyout, and so I took the buyout. Um, and as part of the transition process, I met a franchise broker who you know, pitched a couple different franchises to me, um, and this was one of them. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Um, I was looking for something that would give me like a little more flexible work hours, flexible, you know, work structure so I could spend time with my kids, basically. I have two young kids. Um, so I did some due diligence. I saw that it was a really rapidly going franchise. Um, I spoke with some current owners and they all seemed to be, you know, relatively happy with what they were doing. Um, I spoke to the original owner of the Shamley location and, you know, they, they said good things. Uh, so I bought into the, the franchise, um, yeah. And how, right. how tough was that to go? Because at GM, you were, you know, a W-2 employee, right? Mm -hmm. And now yeah. all of a sudden, you're an entrepreneur and self-employed. Yeah. What was that transition like? Well, I think spending so much time in corporate, you're sort of brainwashed. You know, you become institutionalized in a way. You know, so you know how to deal with cor corporate culture, how corporate works. So as, as an entrepreneur, you're dealing with people who don't have that same experience. So when I come into the spa uh, or this business, I have certain expectations about, you know, just how things work. And you find that people aren't the same. So for me, I think one of the biggest challenges that, that I've had is just simply sort of relating with the people who are of a very different background. Um, the people that we employ are basically three types. There's massage therapists, there's estheticians, which do skincare, and then there's a front desk team who manages, you know, schedules and appointments and whatnot. And so say two thirds of the staff, they consider themselves healers, right? You know, caregivers. And so me from about, you know, as far as empathetic as possible, I was in IT, you know, to now try and, you know, relate to caregivers, it, it takes some learning. Um, you know, they aren't necessarily motivated by the same things that, that I was. Right. Um, so that, that's been a challenge. Yeah. You're not getting a license to go do the massage yourself. You're nope. handling just the business side of just it. Just running the business. Yeah, so estheticians and massage therapists are licensed by the state of Georgia. Right. Um, and to be honest, it's a hard job, particularly with massage therapy, because you're working physical labor, you know. And so you can do maybe six, maybe seven uh, massages a day, and that's it. And, you know, they go home tired just like a you know, construction worker. Did you have, what did you have to do leading up to buying the business to kind of understand when you monitor your employees, mm -hmm. if they're doing it, I know they're licensed by the state, but at the end of the day, they're in your shop doing right. it for you. So yeah. how much do you monitor or do you give them the reign to do it their way? Well, not do it their way. I mean, they're taught to do it a certain way based on their license in the state of Georgia. And then they're taught the hand in stone way for some of the treatments that we offer. So the franchise has a training program for them. Right. Proto it's not an extensive training program like we come and train a week, but there are sort of written protocols and there is some hands-on training that they get. But a lot of um, the feedback that I get is from customers. So anytime you know, a client leaves the spa, they're going to get an email that says, how was your service? Um, or there's you know, uh, suggestion cards that we have them fill out. And, and I'm in the spa a lot and I talk to a lot of the clients. So I kind of know um, what's going on, you know, even the, the treatment styles of the therapists or the estheticians, just by talking to clients, I kind of know what they're good at. Um, so I get a lot of feedback. Having started now a second location, how much of your time is 
divided between the locations. If you're in the spa a lot, talking right. with the customers, yeah. are you in the Shambly one? Are you in the Alpharetta one? Do you right. split up your day? Or So that's a good question. Um, I was really surprised. I guess that was another thing I learned is how much of my time it takes to operate a retail business with so much client interaction. Uh, clients are demanding. You know, I speak with them a lot and, you know, manage their calendar, manage the staff. Um, so I found that I really don't have enough of my time just to run the one place. Um, so I've hired a manager now to take over the day-to-day operational aspects so I can focus on marketing the business um, and also sort of starting up the operations at the new location. So I expect to be basically out of the Shambly location um, and fo- focused on Alpharetta and general marketing. So to, let's talk about that marketing mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, I know what I do for marketing as my financial planning practice, but what I do is going to be very different than what you're going to do as a retail operation. Right. What what have you done so far over the first year that you've had the Shambly location? What mm-hmm. are you finding works and what doesn't work? Right. It's hard to tell. Um, so Hand and Stone, they require me to spend a certain amount of money, certain percentage of revenue on marketing, and they they help plan the marketing. So um, they tend to like to do direct mailers, um, which I find not to be very effective. Um, so I've tried to get away from that because my personal experience is anything I get in the mail doesn't have you know, my business associated with personal to me, I just throw it right in the trash. So I assume others are the same. So I do very specific marketing basically around birthdays. People get a you know, nice birthday card and it gives them a discount at the spa. Um, I spend most of my money on um, Google ad placement. Um, and then I've done a few other things on the side, like as it happens in Shamley, there's a huge electronic billboard right behind the center. So I've advertised on that billboard. Um, and we do a few other things, but the response is difficult to measure. Um, we can use tracking numbers on mailers and if certain calls, somebody calls a certain number, then we know that that marketing was effective. But like with the billboard, I didn't want to put a number up there because, you know, people are driving by, are they going to write it down? down yeah. yeah. So it was really hard to gauge. I mean, the sign was beautiful and I think it helped. Um, But it's really hard to assess. I think where the real um, marketing opportunity is, it's more personal. So our, you know, clients that are there, that are happy, that are members, you know, I give them opportunity to refer clients and I give them coupons that they can refer their friends. Um, And then just locality, just where we are, we have a lot of apartment complexes around. Um, So my intent is to go try and market to them. Um, Would you, like a door-to-door type thing, yeah. or you just go to the apartment complex and say, "Here's some I'm coupons op- for your cu- for yeah. your residents." I'm open to both. I mean, I'd like it to be something more formal. Like, I'd like to go to see the the property management, or the management company, and say, "Hey, you know, I'm willing to offer for all of your members a certain something. I don't know whether it's a gift card or a discounted membership." Can you do on-site uh, events? Like, mm-hmm. could you bring some of your uh, therapists, massage therapists to come and do like, Hey, we're going to do an apartment complex, yep. you know, come down to the club room between mm-hmm. one and two and get a free massage. Yep. We do do that. Um, we usually use a massage chair, which you probably see and you can sit up sure. and you're, you're face down. Um, yeah, we do do that. Um, sometimes people want that for employee appreciation events. And so we'll go do that and I'll take, you know, a couple massage therapists and we'll go do a, a chair event. So yeah, we do do that. We've been doing it at the, um, the club, um, Lifetime Fitness, um, they have uh, like a member appreciation day. And so we go there and, you know, we give, you know, 10 minute chair massages to their, the people as they're working out. And we've, we've gotten some, some uh, clients from that. Let's talk about the pricing model. How does mm-hmm. it work? Mm-hmm. Um, I know my wife has come to your location, but mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know what she paid for it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. how, how exactly does that, that 
pricing work? Do they come yeah. in by the visit? Is it a membership mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. So I haven't. I don't recognize seeing your wife. So I have to go back and look now <laughs> when she was there. Um, no. So you know, I guess maybe my generation or a couple generations after me, people viewed massage or um, these kind of services something you do as an event. You know, it's your birthday, it's your anniversary, once a quarter, and you know, half a year. Um, but that's really changing uh, with the new younger generations. They view massage um, as you know something they need to maintain their health on a regular basis. So it's one of the goals of Hand and Stone is to try and take that luxury service and make it you know something that everyone can consume on a regular basis at an affordable price point. So I mean, again, back in the day, you might go to a spa, have to do a spa day, and it's gonna cost you a couple hundred dollars. Now what we do is through offering a membership, we offer either a facial or a massage at fifty nine ninety five, um, and our memberships. I mean, we call it a membership because there are membership privileges because you get points and you get discounts on product, but essentially it's a subscription. Um, so you come in, you sign up for the membership, and then your credit card will be charged fifty nine ninety five once a month. You come in for your massage, your facial. If you don't use it in the month, it just rolls over to the next month. Is it like a, a cell phone where you're locked in or like I sign up and then three months later I say I don't like Jason I'm not coming back exactly right yeah so unlike some of the other uh, competitors who have a six month or an annual contract we are it's really a subscription you can cancel anytime you want Um, so it's good and it's bad it's great for clients because it gives them some flexibility if they you know they move or you know they just can't make it in um, it's a challenge for us and an opportunity because you got to win that client every single time. Sure. Um, because they may be dissatisfied and they, you know, I want to cancel and then they cancel. Yeah. Um, so, and it's a, it's an interesting challenge for us because, you know, we have people delivering a service to people. And so to try and make that consistent every time is a challenge. You know, people's expectations change, you know, the service provider may be tired, you know? So trying to get, make someone happy every time is a significant challenge. Right. Well, oh, so it, let me finish. Sorry, I didn't answer the whole. So $59.95 is our basic price. Um, and then we offer other services that people can add. So on the massage side, we do treatments with hot stones. Um, we have another one, Himalayan salt stones. We do aromatherapy. Um, and we do different modalities of massage, like sports massage, deep tissue. We do um, prenatal massages for people, women that are pregnant. And then on the uh, skincare side, we do other kinds of skincare techniques, like uh, microdermabrasion, I think you would have heard of. We do peels. We have microcurrent. You might not be familiar with these, but women certainly are. And like massage, women view this as a non-discretionary service. And so, you know, people come in and then take care of themselves once a month. Let's circle back to being an entrepreneur. You've mm-hmm. made that change from, you know, the corporate world. Mm-hmm. What can you tell our listeners has been the biggest challenge to you in, in that change? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess... One of the things I mentioned is just, you know, sort of relating to the different world. If you've been in that world for a long time, um, you know, it's difficult maybe to transition to, you know, people who aren't used to the corporate culture. But I think aside from that, the other part of it is, you know, when you're in the corporate world, like I said, institutionalized, you're used to that regular paycheck, right? Whereas an entrepreneur, um, you've invested a lot of your money, your personal wealth um, into, you know, starting up a business. Um, Basically, each one of these spas to, you know, set up the building, equip the building, um, and then get through, let's say, a one-year period of where you're sort of building a customer base, you're going to spend about half a million dollars, right? So it's a significant investment to have on the line for, you know, basically no pay. 
Well, let's talk about how you did fund that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot. Of, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs. They've told us about, you know, s, you know, government loans. Mm-hmm. They've talked to, with Eric about loans from traditional banks. Right. Tell us about how you went about that. Right. Um, so, part of my researching in franchises, I, I read something called the ROBS. It's the rollover for a business startup. And it really is appealing for someone like me who had a you know, significant 401k after being in the corporate world so long. And what this allows you to do basically is you start a new company, a C-Corp, uh, and that company then has a, a 401k for the C-Corp. And you take your current 401k value and you roll it into a new one. And then you use that new one to basically buy shares in the corporation. And that's how you fund the C-Corp. And then you have basically your 401k there is then available yeah. for you to you know, invest in and run the business. Right. right. So um, I say that I own the spa, but technically my 401k your, owns your, your the spa. Your retirement owns the spa. And they pay me as an employee and, you know, I hold the officer positions. But yeah, I'm an employee of my 401k essentially. Yeah. yeah. So it's good. I mean, it's uh, interest-free cash. No way. I'm not taking a, you know, small business loan, right. which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to pay interest. On the other hand, I've risked my retirement. You are definitely risking your retirement if yeah. the business fails. Exactly right. Not only is the business failed, the but your retirement is, is in jeopardy. Right. So yep. I would definitely suggest those that are listening, before you just go do this, get seek some advice mm-hmm. um, because you want to do it right. And it seems like it's working for you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it is something that you, you need to plan out and make mm-hmm. sure that it's the right course of action. And it's not a taxable event. No, right. it's, it's not, not a taxable event because yeah. the business is now owned inside the, the, his the retirement. Point. It's basically no different than, hey, I'm buying shares of stock right. mm-hmm. on the stock market. Mm-hmm. Just in this case, I'm buying shares of stock mm-hmm. in my own company. Yeah. Now, there are some like sort of specific things you can and can't do. That's right. There are and, rules around yeah, it. So you got to have, you, you can't, I wouldn't recommend anyone to go just do it themselves. No. There are companies that specializes in this. Yeah. Go to them. You pay them a recurring fee. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Uh, that, that's something that we have not yet heard on Between Two Trains is that concept. Mm-hmm. And it is out there. And so those of you who are looking to start a business like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I got no cash. That could be an option for you. But, like I said, seek mm-hmm. professional help before yeah. you just go do it. New content alert. <laughs> new <laughs> <Right>. content alert. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're always learning something new on Between Two Trains. I've always said, what have I said, Eric? You could almost get an MBA from listening to our show. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Almost. almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, something else that's new is that the business broker, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or the franchise broker mm-hmm. that, that you visited. What was that experience like? Yeah, so as part, when I left General Motors, they offered us... Um, like outplacement services, basically, you know, how to rewrite your resume, you know, reminding you how to interview. Um, and I think this particular franchise broker was affiliated with the outplacement service. And, and she just, you know, came in and, and sort of pitched different things. And she said, hey, you know, all of you guys, professionals came out with a, you know, probably some cash. What do you want to do now? Um, and so, yeah, I guess I can name drop. Uh, the, the name uh, is uh, FranNet. Franchise net. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, they're here locally. And so um, I met with them and, uh, you know, we talked about some of some ideas. Um, the ideas that uh, that were kind of hot at the time, one was a large format graphics printing business, um, which I really liked the business. I thought the graphics were cool, but it really relied on the owner to go out and sell the business. And I didn't think that was my my skill set. Um, the other one was a, a tree harvesting business or tree trimming business. Um, which sounds weird to be a franchise, 
Um, and that, again, required a lot of the owner's uh, time to go out and quote the business. Uh, and you could go out and quote, you know, five uh, jobs and you might get one. Mm-hmm. And it required some heavy equipment. I didn't particularly like that one. Um, and when I first actually looked at the, the spa business, I didn't like the membership model because my preconceived notion of it was that it was a six-month membership or an annual one. And I thought, that's a pretty hard sell. Like if it's, you know, fifty nine ninety five and you got to sell a year's worth, it's a $700 membership. Yeah. I thought that was a challenge. So when I learned about, you know, the basically the month to month, I thought, okay, well, this is kind of a no-brainer. If you've got someone who is interested in massage or skincare and view that as a normal part of their life, you know, a subscription service, you know, is something they value, yeah. right? Uh, and the price point is compelling. So I thought, yeah, okay, this is something that, that we can do. You know, it's funny because I, I don't like when you have to have, you know, when I talk with clients about their bills and what mm-hmm. I hate when you have a locked in for a year. Um, we at Oxygen Financial do something very similar to what you're doing mm-hmm. on the financial planning side. So we have some, some uh, online technology that we use to create a financial dashboard and we charge people a monthly subscription fee mm-hmm. and there is no lock-in if they don't like the technology or they don't like me they can cancel at any time so we're in the same boat that you are i know exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying you got to sell yourself every mm-hmm. single time you see that customer uh, otherwise they're gonna go down the road somewhere else but i think it's a better model for the customer mm-hmm. and i think the customers who understand that become more committed to you as the as the business because they're like, hey, I'm not stuck here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've got to take a short commercial break to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to play our ever fun game, Hot or Not, and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. Hi, this is Jeff Hill with Remote Home Check. This is Regina Weir. Hi, this is Greg Burke. Hey, Jan Levy. Hi, this is Margaret from 3411 Coworking, and you've been listening to Between Two Trains. Welcome back to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast. You can listen to us at your work on our website on betweentwotrains.com, or if you're in the car, just open up your favorite podcasting app and check us out. So, Eric, we're going to play Hot or Not. Do you want to take the first one? Sure. So, Jason, you, you talked about uh, having a manager... Uh, at the Shambly Brookhaven location, and you're spending time in Alpharetta. You also touched on the initial investment mm-hmm. and how that goes well beyond uh, what meets the eye to set this up. So along that that path, how much information do you share with the manager? Is it hot mm-hmm. to share uh, level detail level information with the manager, or is that not hot? So I maybe I wouldn't limit like if I could answer just not for the manager, but I would say not hot. Um, and I did this and I regretted it after, um, as the new owner of the business, I, I had a vision of making this sort of, you know, team all pushing in the same direction, you know, um, all interested in, in the success of the organization. So I shared a lot of detail. I shared the, what I pay in rent. I shared what my costs are. I shared what I invested. Um, and similar to what I talked about earlier, just the difference in perspective going from corporate to someone who's a healer, it didn't resonate. Um, I think the team, they saw a lot of big, big numbers and they assumed, ah, he must know, be rich. He must be rich. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't have the effect that I wanted. So I think I would share with a manager, mm-hmm. but definitely with uh, staff, um, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're in the Whole Foods complex. I know the complex well. Um, it's a fabulous addition to the Shambly community. It's really driven up uh, the 
the view of what people think of Shampley, um, but I know rent can be a challenge. And so your hot or not is triple net leases on real estate. Is that a hot thing or not such a hot thing? And maybe we should disclose to our listeners who might not understand what a triple net lease is. If you rent a house, you have a lease, you pay a set monthly fee. So in your business as a commercial uh, tenant, you pay a monthly fee to the owner. The triple net says that you also have to pay all the taxes and insurance for that piece of property. The landlord is not paying that, you are. And, and common area maintenance is another common one area that you, you pay for. Um, so I think the, that concept and practice is, is okay. Um, because I think when someone, so I would, I don't want to say hot because nobody likes it, but I understand that's the way you do business on a lease. And most owners go in expecting that these charges are going to go up, you know, a few percentage points, you know, every year. Cause, and, and you budget cause for that. Real estate goes up and hence yeah. taxes go up. Right. Um, in my particular case, you know, I have a unique situation in this particular center that, as you said at the start, it's, it's brand new. Um, it was developed by um, a company that does do development. So they developed the center, uh, and they filled it with tenants. Um, and it's 100% were, full. There's no vacant spots. It's 100% full. Um, and then, um, and as part of the, the development, they received the tax abatement from the city of Chambly, uh, from Chambly's business development organization. Um, and then they sold the um, property to an investor. Um, and as part of the sale, uh, the, the uh, property was reassessed in value, uh, significantly higher in value. Um, and so DeKalb County reassessed the value, which impacted what would be the property taxes. Um, and then the, so the, the new owner then is figured out what the property taxes would be if there were no abatement. And now they're assessing the value of those property taxes against the, the businesses. Um, and, uh, I've heard, uh, some of the other business owners say that they've done the calculation and it's a 450% increase in property tax over one year. So I can say I, I didn't actually do that math, but I did my year over year total rent increase and it results in a, an in, a rent increase for me of 23%. Um, so that's pretty hefty for a new business that's for, significant. for a new business in a new center. Um, and so a lot of the businesses are, I said it's about 50, 50, there's small business owners. And then there are national brands like Chipotle and Starbucks and Whole Foods and these guys, but then there are small business owners. Yeah. And so we've all talked together. We formed a little association. Um, and so I know what's going on and almost everyone is not meeting their business plan. Um, only there's only one owner that I've spoken to is actually making a profit. Um, and that's because the center just isn't performing as well as expected. I mean, parking is a huge issue and it's just a new center. So to add this, you know, huge rent increase on top of already underperforming business, um, it's a huge challenge, um, and it's you know, it's, there's a good chance that I would say some of the current tenants will go out of business, like me included. Uh, it's just a, it's a huge increase. Um, so we have uh, asked for more information from the property management company. So far, we've got the you know the general explanation that this is why, but no details, no actual assessments, nothing that really justifies this increase and. You know, even if there are terms in the lease that say, you know, that they we should pay the implied property tax, you know, you kind of ask yourself what's reasonable. You know, you would expect some increase, but a twenty percent increase, a four hundred fifty percent increase yeah. in taxes. Wh where does it become unreasonable? You know, if it was a million dollar increase, would that still be reasonable? Would I still be liable? I think someone's got to say, you know, it's not reasonable to expect a small new business to be able to sustain this increase. Yeah, yeah. 
cool foods, one thing. Right. The the small individual entrepreneur right. becomes a whole different Exactly story. right. And, and I've spoken to representatives from the city of Chambly, and they say, look, this is never what we intended with the abatement. Right? In fact, they've said, we're sorry for you, but this won't happen again. Right? You know, we, we're going to make it so that, you know, that we don't have this because, you know, we don't want to break the backs of the small business. Yeah. Coming into uh, the entrepreneurial world from corporate, mm -hmm. did you have any mentors? Is that a hot thing for you to have a mentor? I did not have, so hot or not hot? I like the idea. So I would say hot, cool idea. Um, how it would work in practice, I don't know. But no, I didn't have a mentor. Um, and so I kind of learned my way through it. I probably made the, the financial disclosure is a good example. I shouldn't have done it. Um, so I think there's probably things I could have learned ahead of time. So I think that's a good idea. Maybe there's a business for that. You yeah. know, maybe those franchise uh, brokers could attach onto that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like Mentoring it. Mentoring. Yeah. New, new business owners. Yeah. 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 We have a few more minutes before we leave. Tell us, tell, tell our listeners, you know, we've heard about your model. We've heard the, the subscription service, you know, what, if they want to come, What's the bet? Do they just drop in? Mm -hmm. Should they go online? How right. do you want them to come to you? So um, anyway works. We, we accept walk-ins. Uh, people can go online to the website. That's good too. But I really would prefer them to call um, and make an appointment because when we have that personal interaction, the front desk is trained to like dig a little deeper. You know, what, what brings you in? Are you sore? Does something hurt? Um, what kind of pressure do you like? Um, and we can tailor the service based on what we get you know, in that initial conversation. So we have that much uh, higher chance of, of satisfying the, the client when they come in. Um, but we can do, do any which way. Um, we do recommend people book ahead. Uh, we do get full, especially on weekends. Um, can they book online? Do you have a website? Yep. Um, they can book online. What, um, just, what's the website? Just handandstoneshambly.com. Handandstoneshambly.com. Well, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I should have known that already. But uh, if, you, if you Google Hand and Stone Chamley Brookhaven, the site will come up. Yeah. Um, the site is actually the the address is run by corporate and, and I should know it, but I don't, but yeah, it's there. If you, if you Google us, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. Well, we probably have time for one more hot or not. Eric, do you have yeah. anything specific you want to throw up? Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're launching a new location. Mm -hmm. The labor market is, you know, unemployment's very low. Right. Ooh, this um, is going to be a good one. When, yeah. when it comes to hiring, you know, obviously people are registered, the estheticians, mm -hmm. the massage therapists. Right. So, um, but it's also an industry that, that you can get in. And um, so industry experience versus, you know, somebody who's new and, and motivated. Mm -hmm. What is the best for Hand and Stone's mm -hmm. model? Yeah, actually both. Um, so the, the way the, the model works is that when a therapist is working, when they're with a client is when they get paid. When they're not with a client, they don't get paid. Um, and so for someone who's experienced and can bring their clients with them, that's great because they stay busy. Um, and it helps me also cause they're, they're bringing clients with them. Um, and because they have experience, they know how to, you know, read the cues from the clients and deliver a good service. And, you know, it's just, it's a virtuous cycle. You know, they'll, they'll get good tips. They'll want to stay. The customers will be happy. On the other hand, the new people, they need to get that experience somewhere. And a lot of times they're, you know, earlier in life and they can afford to like wait for a client and build a new relationship. And because they have less experience, I don't necessarily pay them as much. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I can afford to keep them um, in the spa even though they're not working all the time. Are they 1099 employees or are they W-2? They're W-2 employees. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
but mm-hmm. they only get paid by the job that yeah. they do. For, You're for not, they're not hourly or salary. Right. right. So for massage therapists and estheticians, that's that's the model, and that's the model that most of the the industry uses. Yeah. My front desk staff there are hourly employees. Hourly. Employees. Um, but kind of what you were another part of your question is, you know, given the high employment rate in the country, finding therapists is my biggest challenge. I yeah. would say. Um, there's a shortage. There's a shortage. Yeah. Um, recruiting is a challenge. I recruit at the local schools. I recruit online. I recruit by word of mouth. Um, I think part of it is just the nature of this kind of industry. Um, a lot of the licensed people do their own business on the side. Um, and they find when they struggle in that business, they come back and they work part time. Um, does that mean that the expansion of your business, if you decided, hey, I want to go for a third location, it might be better to buy an existing one where there's already going to be these employees mm-hmm. rather than because the one in Alpharetta you built from scratch. Right. It was a brand new build. Yeah, but I don't have the employees yet. So I'm about to face that, trying to that build problem. A, right. But the, the challenge is like if you don't have the massage therapist, you can't get any customers. But if you have a massage therapist or the esthetician and there's no customers, then they're not happy. So how do you grow both, right? To get the, the therapist, to build the clients, and then add clients and add therapists, you know, you kind of got to sort of step it up. Yeah. So at the beginning, maybe I'll have just a few staff, which is easier to find. But uh, it's hard to find and keep uh, licensed uh, service providers. Well, we have come to the end of our episode. Thank you, Jason, for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, Eric, again. Thank you for for showing up. Any parting words for our listeners? I'm excited to hit yard work um, so that I can come and see Jason. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We'll straighten you you out after the weekend. Cut the grass and then go get a massage. Oh, man. I'm going to wash the car. I'm going to make my wife real happy. Notre Dame uh, baseball. My wife is going to be real happy when I'm washing her car, doing the lawn. And I say, honey, come on, join me. We're we're going to get and take care of it. That's right. We have a a lot of couples. Couples Couples come in. We have a room especially set up for that. They can can both be in the same room. Both be in the same room. Yeah, it's pretty popular. So, yeah, come on down. Do you have men and women massage therapists? They're all uh, women. No, we have, uh, in my case, we have one male and uh, the rest are women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, oh, everyone. I've a couple massages in my life. I'm not sure about they gotta have the, the grip man strength. giving the man massage. See, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, like gotta have, you gotta have the grip strength to, I to get. I feel pretty secure in my, yeah. you know, masculinity yeah. that I wouldn't mind, but I, I've never had it done, so I'm not sure. We get that a lot, and I would say it's a bit generational. Younger folks don't seem to care as much. Um, and me old. <laughs> you and I, our generation, or maybe I don't know if I'm older than you, but um, the, uh, as it happens, the, the male therapist that we have here is one of the most highly recommended or requested and has the, the biggest recurring customer base. Nice. Mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, so everyone come out and see us at Anastone. Ask for me. I'm always there. You there you go. And yeah. come, come with your spouse. Yeah. Thanks again. And you've been listening to Between Two Chains. Keep listening to us every 1st and 15th of the month. <laughs>